So I'm going to go ahead and read through the entire uh, chapter 3 for us. So please follow along. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does, uh, does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. By this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. So I love, <laughs> I love First John, uh, all of John's uh, writing, because they're so simple. I mean, I really feel like I could have just read that and said, have a nice day. You know, it's just so, uh, just so clean cut. But we're going to talk today about abiding in love, 
And what does that really mean um, as a Christian in his walk and his relationship with the living God, of course? But also, what does it mean to abide in love and show that to others? And so the first thing that we have to do to understand what it means to abide in love is we have to understand and receive God's love for us. And so in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Now, I want us to just stop right there and just take a second to obey that command, right? To behold, to observe, to take in. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us? You know, I think that's something that we could, we could spend a whole day just absorbing and still not really understand, right? But we can look at how is it that the Father has bestowed love upon us as his children. Well, first of all, he has chosen us the least of, I mean, <laughs> lower than the angels, you know, made from dust. He has chosen us for his affection as beings to show that perfect love to, right? He has knitted us together from the womb, predestined us from creation to do his good will. And he did all this foreseeing our lives. And while we were still enemies of God, offenders and haters of him, it says that Christ died for us. You know, the thing is, is, in ourselves, in our own flesh, without the Spirit of God coming and convicting and, and speaking to us, we never, ever would have sought God. We never would have chosen Him. The darkness can't manifest light, <laughs> you know? Can't even be in the same place. Yet He came to us. He gave us His word. He called to us. Behold what measure of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called children of God. And uh, Pastor Mark, he jumped ahead of me a little bit today, but that's okay. I just, uh, that's how you know the Holy Spirit's rolling. That's, that's right. Holy Spirit's rolling today, right? Because he, you know, he, he even said, the, well, I guess I got it from him anyways. I've heard him say it about a hundred times, and so it sticks. Um, he gave himself a role in our lives that we couldn't dare give to God ourselves. Father? Abba? Daddy? I mean, that's kind of crazy. Even, even understanding that when I hear people sometimes that to make a point when they're praying, they say Daddy. And it's still kind of like, that's kind of weird. You know? But that level of, of closeness, that level of, of care. You know, one of the, as a father, one of the things you love the most, especially after spending all day whooping your kid and putting them time out and telling them no, <laughs> is those times where they just climb up in your lap and you just do nothing but just hold them and love them. And they're content. That's just, that's amazing. That's the most amazing feeling, right? And yet that's how the Lord, the creator of heaven, that's how he has defined himself in his relationship to us as a father. And you see, we see that 
It was always his purpose. Because in Genesis 1.26, he spoke, let us make man in our image. He didn't say that about anything else. Let us make man in our image. And so by the cleansing of Christ alone and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit alone, we have become children, children of God. And that is something that God has given freely to all who bow before him and accept him and cry out. Such a gift. Mm. But he goes on to say, therefore, being children of God, being one with the Father in a, in a, through his spirit, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. You know, we are... Uh, what did it say? Was one of the songs we were just talking about was something about p- being a pilgrim, or maybe that was in the what he read. I'm not sure. Something about pilgrimage. You know, that's the thing. And I spoke about this Wednesday. We are just pilgrims in this world. You know, I think it's uh, Philippians 3:20 says that our uh, residence, our citizenship, is in heaven. It's not here. This is just the land we have to pass through to get there. Right. We are strangers, we're foreigners in this world, or at least we should be. And because of that, we're foreign. We're foreign. Only the spiritual can, can discern spiritual thing, Paul tells us in, uh, I think it's in 1 Corinthians somewhere. Right? And in John's gospel, he says that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. Well, guys, if God came in flesh to his own people, which he had been revealing to himself for thousands of years, and they didn't know him? How can we, if we are of the same spirit, how can we be known by the world? We can't be, right? How can they receive us if they did not receive him? Verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. What? Oh. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm sorry. I apologize. (laughs) Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Right? So we are his children. And just as Jesus Christ came and gave an example to us, just as he was raised from the dead, so shall we be also. And we will be found together in the clouds when he comes again. And we will receive inheritance as fellow heirs, sons of God, heirs of that eternal kingdom. But notice it says that everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. And so, not only do we have to understand the, the, the great depth of God's love, but in order to, to truly have salvation, we have to receive it. But that same love is what's going to separate us from the world. That same world love is what is going to, to um, bring to light those who are his and those who aren't, because I'll tell you what, it's not, it's not clear sometimes. It's not clear sometimes. In fact, I was reading, trying to figure out what I was going to preach on, 
And I have been reading and, and getting a lot about false teachers and about truth and about those who claim God, but uh, uh, Christ, but walk in darkness and trials and tribulations. That's that's just what God has been given to me. And so I was reading again, uh, preparing for a message, and I was in one of those sections, and I was like, well. I'll look and see if maybe God has, and I like flipped like four or five different places and everywhere I turned, that was the same message. And I'm like, all right, God, I I, I hear you, okay? And I've been seeing a lot of that, dealing with a lot of that lately. And I'll tell you what, it's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but we are, as Christians, we are separated from the world by our love, all right? Verse 4, whoever sins also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You see, sin, uh, sin in a way is really the absence of love. It's kind of an interesting thought, but really it is. You know, in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, The man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, is it really that simple? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. You read the Ten Commandments, and it's saying what? D- you know, love God, love people. If you really love people, the true definition of love, you're not going to steal from them, right? You're not going to murder them, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> not if you really love them, right? You're not going to sleep with their wife. You're not going to want to take their stuff. That's true love. It, it really is that simple. And so if sin is lawlessness, then the law is love. I mean, it's a simple conclusion. Sin is simply the absence of love. And, um, and you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. You see, Jesus came with such a love, such a selfless sacrifice, that he didn't just take away our sin someday, right? Like, well, when we get there, then we'll, we'll be sin-free. So until then, we're just stuck. Oh, man, it, you know, at least we have hope, right? No, 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 right? He came to free us from sin now that we might know and walk in true, in true love. Because in God, there is no sin. There is no lack of love. There is no absence of pure selflessness. And he gives it to all his people. In fact, the Bible says in the, uh, towards the end of Matthew 5, he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's, the sun rises on the just and the unjust. God is perfectly good. God is perfectly loving, right? And we should walk in that love. Whoever abides in him does not sin, does not lack love, perfect love. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. We have to stop taking our, or start taking our eyes off of our, our failures, our flaws. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, and I was, I was hearing this from a friend of mine just recently. You know what the, 
the true secret to overcoming sin is? You know how you stop sinning? You stop, you stop trying. You stop trying. Okay, let me explain that for a second. Nobody in this room think of a purple elephant with white polka dots. What did everybody just think of? Purple elephant, white polka dots, right? We can't have our eyes, can't have our eyes on our sinfulness and expect to walk in God's blessing. It's like, uh, here's another analogy. You ever been driving and the person in front of you kind of swerves towards the line and then goes back and suddenly you realize you swerve to the line and go back? <laughs> have you ever, I do that all the time and I'm like, that's kind of odd. But really, whatever our eyes are on, that's what we're going we're gonna to lead towards, right? And it's not our power that saved us. If so, why did Jesus die? If we could have done it by ourselves, we would have already done it. I wouldn't be here right now, right? I'd be, I'd be good. But that's not the case. We have to start putting our eyes on that perfect love, right? We have to replace our effort with abiding in Christ. For if we would abide in him, which I looked that word up, right? Because I always kind of think of it's like being in, like, inside of Jesus or G- like being wrapped in Jesus. And uh, that's kind of a hard concept to explain and to really understand. But I looked up the word, and I was kind of surprised. The definition actually just means to accept and act in accordance with. Well, that's much more simple to understand. If you're acting in accordance with Christ, with that perfect love, if you're walking in those steps, walking like Jesus, keeping your eyes on his perfect love, Sin has no place. When you turn on a light switch, Vincent's been saying this, it's a good analogy. When you put on, turn on a light switch, how, how long does it take for the darkness to go away? It doesn't creep out of the way, does it? Because darkness is just absence of light. It's that simple. When we begin to put our focus on true love, then sin has no place in our life. Verses 7 through 9. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices, practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. But he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. Because he has been born of God. And I'm going to be, just be honest, that's a hard passage to say that you can't sin. It's, it's kind of hard to, to kind of understand exactly what he's saying there. Um, my general interpretation is just as those who practice righteousness is a, something as an ongoing, uh, you know, when you practice something, you're always, always doing it. You don't always get it right. I know because I'm trying to learn guitar and I'm not getting it perfect, but I'm practicing it, right? It's a continual thing. Well, those who are practicing righteousness. You can't be practicing sin at the same time. And so we begin to see that separation that love should provide to us uh, between us and the world because the, the world doesn't know true love. They don't know true joy, true peace. They, ha- they can't understand it. So how can they practice it, right? And those who are separated from that love can only do one thing, and that is practice sin practice that lack practice wickedness and so we see that that love becomes clear in our fruitfulness it becomes clear in our in our actions in our actions because you man i 
Okay, I'm not too far from high school, okay? I can still remember the days. And especially, I think, uh, I think the girls were a little, a little better at this than the guys were, because the guys would just duke it out and be friends. But girls, hey, how's it going? Oh, you're so cute. I love that dress. And then they walk off and, oh, that girl, I cannot believe her, man. I just hate her. And you're like, what? What? You know, wait, 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 wait a minute, okay? Okay? People can love you all day with their lips and hate you in their hearts. They can hate you in their hearts. <coughs> Through love we see who are gods and who are not. For many speak false words, and you know what? They blend into the brethren, even into the church. Okay? They have the, the right words. They know the right things to say. They, they have religious practices even. They show up to church. You know, they do nice things. Okay, they talk about love. And uh, as a, one of our scriptures say, and we'll read this in a minute, having a form of godliness while denying its power. Right? And there is a great danger in that. And the Lord is making it clear to me, first of all, by example, because I've been seeing this and dealing with this more and more. Um, and people, people don't like you. People don't like you when you stand for truth more than you stand for a personal relationship. Amen. I'll tell you what, they don't, okay? And we always, always as Christians, our number one priority should be understanding, committing ourselves to, and standing for truth. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And if we, re if we reject truth on any level, we have rejected our Savior. Side note, anyways. Okay, and he's been showing, showing me this in exposure to his word. I just was telling you that the more I flipped through the Bible, I just kept... Trials and falsehood. Trial, that's, man, it's like, all right, you know. So I want to read to you real quick, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And I cheat, I already got it printed out. So. <laughs> but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And that is very dangerous. Because especially for, for people pursuing Christ, people uh, young in their faith, uh, lacking knowledge and understanding, when these people come in and they see someone who is a Christian, quote-unquote, and those people pull them off and, and give them a friendship, and then they start speaking falsehood, and they start showing them a life that is not, that is completely contrary to the word, and they simply suck that person right into it, and it's very dangerous. So if we are to truly love the brethren, if we are to love the Lord, part of that process is guarding the souls and the, and the, um, the lives of others. 
And it says right here, for this purpose, where was it? For this purpose, verse 8, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not avoid them, right? Not downplay them. No, no, to destroy them. How do, you, how, do, uh, how do we as people destroy wickedness in our country? How do we, how do we try and separate uh, lawlessness from good, quote-unquote? First thing is it has to be exposed, right? Think about how much time, effort, money the police force, the FBI, the CIA put into exposing, exposing where the darkness is exposing the drug dealers, exposing the criminals, exposing these people, because until that is done, justice can't be served. People can't be separated, right? The good can't be protected from the bad if you don't even know who they are. <laughs> but as Christians, that's part of our job, you know. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all of one body, one family. And we really need to be looking out for it. And not, I'm not just talking about Friendship Bible. I don't care what church it is. Impact, Calvary Temple, right? First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, however many Baptists there are. Um, you know, we're, if we're in Christ, we have a job. We have a job to do, right? To look out for him. That's love. That is love. Okay? Verses 10 through 12. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because Abel's works, or I'm sorry, Cain's work were evil and Abel's were righteous. Now, that's kind of an interesting thing to look at. And again, see, you see their hearts were made clear by their fruits, what came out in their actions, right? But here's an interesting thing to consider about Cain and Abel. You know, they both knew God. They both knew God. God spoke to Cain. It's not like he didn't know, right? God spoke to Abel. In fact, it said Abel, I mean, Cain, after he had committed murder, was, was uh, grieved. He said, Lord, don't hide me from your face. They both knew God. But only one was truly righteous in spirit, born, born of God, and it was manifested in his sacrifice. Yet Cain, he manifested his spirit because he despised correction. And he hated being confronted by the truth. He hated it. And rather than love, his heart birthed what? Sin, hatred, and murder. See, there was a lack of love. There was an absence of love there. And it was manifested in his works. Do not marvel, verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. The world doesn't know the spirit of God. They don't know true love. They can't know us. You know, and uh, I've been hearing a lot about walking with, um, with uh, people outside the faith, right? And we even discussed it a little bit at, at Blueprint. Well, 
you know, uh, should we hang out with drunkards? Should we not? You know, what does the Bible say? And here's the thing. You know, Jesus went to all people. He went to drunkards, tax collectors, heathens, Gentiles, whatever. But he brought them truth. He brought them correction. He didn't just sit around in bars all day, like, hanging out with his feet kicked back. You're like, what's up, guys? No, no, no. He had a plan. He had a purpose. And see, there comes a point, if, if you really want to know the truth, there comes a point that if you are light, if you are a son of God, there comes a point where you cannot have continued fellowship with unbelievers. Not because of some legalistic choice, but because they won't want to, honestly. You just, you can't mix. And I know because I, I spend a lot of people with, a lot of time with people who aren't Christians. A lot of times. And if and those people that God is working on their heart, he, he opens up time for us to spend together. He opens up his word uh, to them so that their hearts can soak it in. But those ones who harden their hearts against it, they don't want to spend time with me. <laughs> I'm the last person on earth they want to spend time with because they don't want to know truth. They don't want to be confronted with the living God. Right? And so again, we love will separate us. So do not marvel if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is like Cain, a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, we have to really define love. Okay? What is love truly then? If it's such a big deal, how do we define love? Well, six, verses 16 through 17. By this we know love, because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, not deserving it. That's my addition. But we also, and, and we also, ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You see, love then, love is an act. Right? Love is sacrificial. Love is never self-seeking. Love always does always does what benefits, in truth, what truly benefits the receiver. Right? Acting in according to truth, that's love, and it's not a feeling. You know, when it, when it gives us description here of, of true love, it doesn't say um, whoever feels really, really great towards the people around them, he's the one with love. Right? The one who gives the most hugs at church Right? The one who opens the doors for the most, those, no, 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 no. Right, right, right. In fact, it gives us kind of a contrast. If you have the world's goods and you see a brother in need and you don't give him, you don't do what is beneficial for that person, even to your own hurt, right? When you don't give what that brother needs, how can the love of God be in you? Love is sacrificial, it's selfless. Love is an act. Jesus Going to the cross is how it started. How do you think Jesus felt getting whipped and beaten and carrying a cross on his back? How many of you here think that was really great? 
Yeah, I don't think he felt really good about that. But that was the most loving act in the history of the world. Right. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And I'm going to try and finish this up pretty quick because I know my sermon's getting a little long here. But let us not love in word or truth, but indeed in action. And he goes on to say, you know, if we hear these words, if we hear the words of God listed in the Bible and our heart condemns us, we feel that conviction, right? When we, when we go out there and we see someone needing something, we feel that compassion on your heart to give and you turn away. If our hearts condemn us, the Bible says the heart of man is wicked. <laughs> I mean, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater and he knows all things all things. Yet if we walk in the true love of Christ and that love shuns out our sinfulness, then, then we can assure our hearts before God. And you know what's great about that? Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Love is freedom from sin. Love is practice of righteousness. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, Romans 13. And the assurance of our heart towards God. So let us behold, as we go forward, let us, let us take in that great love that God has shown us. And let us walk in agreement with it. Just as he took selfish action towards us, even to his own suffering, let us also do for the brethren that we may be witnesses to the world and approved by the Lord. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, in, the, in just the view of the great mercy, Father God, that you have bestowed on us, Lord. No one in this room <laughs> deserves your love. No one in this room deserves to be in your kingdom. But Father God, your true love has brought us forth from death, and by your sacrifice we have been cleansed from sin. So we thank you, Father God. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sinfulness, Lord, and take our eyes off of ourselves, off of the world, and put them on you, Lord, that we might walk in righteousness. So we just give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.